Hello and welcome to another episode of York Creatives. I am absolutely delighted to welcome today somebody who is an absolutely terrific actress. She is incredibly well organised. She just gets things done. She does so many things. Frankly, I don't know how she fits in the time to do it. Uh, she has recently been elected the chair of York Settlement Community Players. So I'm really delighted to welcome Livy Potter. Livy, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely my pleasure. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm warm now. I was cold, but now I'm warm. August of yes, well, we're very lucky in the sun booth. Uh, that yeah, it does keep the the heat in quite well because yeah, it's pretty cold out there today. Uh, so yeah, very happy that you've you've struggled along in the cold to join me. So um, let's let's start with it because you're obviously the settlement chair now, but your journey to settlement that began in what 2019, 2020 with the seagull. Yeah, so they cast. I was casting the seagull at the end of twenty nineteen. I think it was just before Christmas. I remember another cold, very cold December night like this, walking to the Eagle and Charles to do the Rees through. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have a very clear memory of that in my head. Um, but I got involved in settlement because um, I'm, I moved to York in autumn 2019. I got a job um, in York in sort of summertime of that year. So I, was, I just moved. Uh, I didn't really have any knowledge about what the theatre scene was, the, you know, what he's called amateur or community theatre scene was. That's a lie. No, I did know because I was cast before that in um, a Shakespeare production. Oh, yeah. But at that point, at that time, I was working, I was commuting into York, working in York full time and then rehearsing or doing shows with, this, with the Shakespeare project in the evening and then work and then driving back to my parents' home where I was living at the time in Harrogate. Right. So I was pretty sleep deprived the whole time. So yeah. I kind of almost brushed that off my memory. <laughs> I have a very distinct memory of sitting in a very cold theatre at 41. Again, it must have been like around autumn time 2019. It was Anthony and Cleopatra Mm -hmm. and the heating had broken and it was the world's longest play. Um, And I remember not being on very much and just sitting in the cold. So, yeah, I kind of have... It was a good play and a lovely time. And that was my intro into the, like, sort of um, amateur community in York. Um, But... Then I must have liked or followed Settlement on Facebook or social media or something or signed up to their newsletter or something. And I also kind of knew that they were doing uh, The Seagull through my job. I was in the marketing department at York Theatre Royal. Of course, yeah. So I kind of all these things came together and I sneakily brought a script because I had no idea really what Chekhov was or who who Chekhov was or what his plays were like. So I, I brought the script being like, Hmm, this could potentially be something I might be interested in auditioning for, but without very non-committal sort of, oh, maybe thing. I read the script and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> I totally want to do this. I want to be Nina. It's the hardest part in the world, but I want to be her. And so when it came to auditioning, I was like, right, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I did it. And luckily, Helen Wilson, the director and chair of Settlement at that time, she cast me as Nina and sort of, had a great time in the play. It was a really fantastic rehearsal period. The cast was lovely. Um, so my first experience with Settlement was great. And we finished the run of The Seagull in the York Theatre Royal Studio the week before the theatre closed right. because of COVID, of course, so the fir- yeah. for the first lockdown. So we were super, super lucky. Um, it kind of almost felt like the whole thing was... I know this sounds like really like, you know, what's she talking about? <laughs> but like almost like it was meant to be. Yeah, like course, yeah. there's sort of that. everything slotted in place. I got the part that I dreamed of. It was a lovely production. I had a great... We had a great run, like really great audiences. And we literally just slotted in to the right time in the right place. And then... Because I know so many other people and so many other productions that just 
left it slightly too late or just had their run like two weeks later and everything got scuppered. Yeah. And it was just like heartbreaking for them. Like, you know, it must have been so hard. So I felt very lucky about that. I'm very privileged. So anyway, that was a very long-winded answer to that is how I got into settlement players. I found it quite interesting. That you actually, uh, similar to me, because my first play in York was a Shakespeare project play. Uh... And through them... I heard about settlement and then obviously uh, opted to, to be in their stuff as well. Well, so it, a is a story. it is a yeah. route. It is a route. Once you're in, you're in. Mm. I feel like you just have to find... Once you're into one of the groups, you're sort of then known by everyone this in a sort true. of way. Yeah. Like you, Once you're in, you're in. And it's, it's not a cliquey thing. I think it's just that... Um, and I wouldn't say it's cliquey. I would say that it's a very open and encouraging community and everyone wants to get the best out of you as a performer mm. and, you know, encourage you as a performer. But there isn't so there isn't loads of opportunities, which is really hard um, for people who really want to get involved but necessarily don't have that much experience or stuff like yeah. that. Um, but, yeah, I've heard a lot of people who go down sort of like, oh, I was in a very small part in a Shakespeare project production and then oh I kind of thought oh that's given me some experience so now I'll try maybe doing a settlement production or doing another Shakespeare production and they kind of work their way up through that and they right. get like better and better parts or and they have because they are getting more and more experience because I never went to drama school I've never had any training right um all I've learned from act to act I've I learned to act by acting um by being in amateur community plays mm. since 2016 was when I started properly doing it. Oh, right. Oh, so relatively late then for you. Because I was, was going to ask you about your background, if it's something you've always done. You come from a theatrical family. I, I do come from a theatrical family. Right. And um, my mum and... Well, my mum went to... Uh, performing arts college um, okay. she did a performing arts degree she, went, she met my dad it was Middlesex Polytechnic I don't think it exists anymore yeah. but she did this performing arts degree and there's photos of her wearing very very bright coloured leg warmers and had the most crazy hairstyles imaginable she was uh, a punk basically um, and met my dad he was doing an illustration degree okay. um, so I come from like a, a creative artsy family mm. and my mum did performed at the Fringe Edinburgh Fringe and then has been doing amateur productions for years and years and years and years she's done loads and loads and loads all through my childhood really um so we had that background but I just when I was growing up I never had the confidence really I mean I went to drama classes as a teenager with my sister but my sister was always I have a twin sister Uh who's amazing and very talented herself as a performer she's a dancer and a singer and an actor um and but it was always her that did that kind of thing um, she was the one who did GCSE drama. She was the one who did GCSE dance. And it wasn't that I felt overshadowed by her, but I just, I think she had the confidence that I lacked. Okay. So growing up, I was sort of just happy to sort of see her in shows and do her thing. Um, it was only when I got to university, I got a music scholarship. Nice. Um, and through that, I did a lot of singing in lots of choirs. And I got lots of friends, artsy friends who were very big in performing and did, was doing were doing performing degrees, stuff like that. So they kind of encouraged me to maybe dip my foot in it a little bit. So I was in a couple of musical theatre showcases in university, which was like my first real sort of performing um, experience that wasn't just like, you know, shepherd number five hmm, in a yeah. nativity or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then when I graduated, I moved back home, back to Yorkshire, back to my family home. And I was sort of a bit bereft. I um, didn't really know what to do with my life. 
um, how sort of directionless in a way. Um, and lots of my friends who I grew up with weren't there anymore. Mm. And I went to the University of Kent. So a lot of my friends I made at university were all stayed down south. Right. So there was no one really around that I sort of felt like. Um, so my, basically my mum said to me, you need, do you have a hobby? You need to get a hobby because um, you make friends through hobbies. And why don't you come to this audition for this musical that I'm auditioning for? And this was at Ilkley Playhouse. So okay. there's a lovely little theatre in Ilkley called Ilkley Playhouse. Um, and it's an amateur theatre amateur theatre group that's based in their own building. So it's, mm-hmm. we're quite privileged in that respect. And I went along to the audition and I got the part. And um, I was in this great little musical called Betty Blue Eyes. Oh, yes. And I've seen that, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a yeah. good, fun musical. It's yeah. based on... Um, a, play, a film called The Private Function right. with Maggie Smith and one of the oh, Monty Python men. I can't remember which one. I always get them confused. Anyway, it's a, good, it's a good musical. So I was cast in that. And then I quickly realised that although I enjoyed musicals, I much preferred being in straight plays. Right. So um, and that, in that way, I kind of got better and better parts. So I was in, you know, the chorus first or like, you know, just the ensemble or like, you know, small speaking roles. And then... And then I managed to get some roles in the studio, which is a more intimate space in the Ilka Playhouse, and much bigger parts. And then the sort of peak of my acting journey was in 2019, so three years after I properly started acting. Hmm. Um, Ilkley Playhouse had this relationship with the Minac Theatre in Cornwall, which I don't know if you've ever been to the Minac. I haven't, no. It's this incredible um, Greek amphitheatre-esque outdoor space um, on the cliffs of Port Curo, I think it's called. It's just by Land's End, so right on the tip of Cornwall. Oh, okay. And it's le- this, this theatre that is basically just hovers on a cliff edge right by the sea. Hmm. Um, and uh, we took a play there called Blue Stockings by Jessica Swale. Oh, yeah, which I was in. Which you were in, I in was, a settlement yeah. production That's of right. it. That's right, yeah, yeah. Well, so which year was that? That was 2017. So it was. So we did ours two years after that. Right, yeah, yeah. And I played um, the lead in that. Oh, I played Tess. Tess. Oh, brilliant, great part. Yeah, well, really I was Will. Oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. so bizarre. Well, no, it's bizarre, yeah. Um, it's a great play. It is, it's yeah. It's a yeah. really great ensemble piece um, about, is it Cambridge University? Oxford. One of them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, I think it is Oxford, actually. Yeah. Oh, there might even be a crosser. I think Will's at Cambridge. I yeah. think the others are at Oxford. So, yeah, I think it's yeah. both mentioned. So it's about um, the this group of stud- young women students um, fighting for the right to earn their degrees. Because at the time, in the end of the ni- 19th century, women could study at Oxford and Cambridge, but they weren't allowed to get a degree, yeah. even though it's just mad. It's astonishing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's astonishing. Yeah. But the play is all about that. And so we took the play down to Minac in the summer of 2019. And it was like the most amazing. It was a week of just beautiful, amazingness, really. I can't describe, I can't describe it properly because it was just so great. Uh, we had like amazing weather every day and like sellout shows. Nice. And there was one distinctive memory that I have, I'm going to tell you because it's just hilarious. Um, it was a matinee. It was a packed up matinee. And I was on stage doing a scene. And I remember distinctly this sort of feeling that the attention of all the audience was just had just moved from me to somewhere else. And I thought, that's really weird. I wonder what's happened. Hmm. But obviously when you're acting, you can just, you get a sense of something. But you can't do anything about no, it. You just have to carry on, you yeah, know. Yeah. The show must go on. So I was like, so I finished my scene and I managed to get off stage. And I was I chatted, I saw a fellow cast member just hovering off stage waiting for them to go waiting to go on. And I said, What what's going on? What, what happened? Like there was something weird that went on there. It was like, Oh yeah, there was a pod of dolphins and everyone huh. was just looking at the pod of dolphins. Oh wow. And I was like, 
Oh yeah, well of course, of course they're they're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose in terms of being upstage by something, that's you know, it's yeah. not a bad one. I mean, really. I was like, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. If if it were me in the audience, I'd be like, well, I don't care what's going on on stage anymore. I want to watch that pod of dolphins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we did that in 2019, and then that was my last production with Ilky Playhouse for a while. The last proper production. I've done a bit since then, um, but only because I moved to York, so I, it's too much of a commute. But oh. it's a great little theatre, and a big shout out to them because they're amazing. Okay, yeah, brilliant. Oh, that's great. Oh, funny, yeah. But, I mean, Blue Stockings, I, yeah, I mean, it's such a good play. And yeah. I can imagine you as a brilliant test. Oh, actually. thank you very much. Yeah, no, I definitely I can. can imagine you very, as a great will, <laughs> so... I think I'm a bit too old now. I mean, I was 32 at the time, 37 now, so... I think I could only just get away with it then, definitely not now. <laughs> but I'm glad I got a chance to play the part. It was, yeah. a, it was a great part and a great play. Probably one of my favourite plays I've ever, I've ever been in, actually. Because yeah. uh, it was such a strong one. I remember reading it... Um, and like not being able to put it down, which is very rare. Yeah. Usually with scripts, I find it a little bit of a slog to get through them. That was the only one I can remember where it was a real page turner. And I was like, okay, this is really exciting. Yeah. Well, it's also it's just such a great ensemble piece. Yeah, and is. I remember at the end, we took we took the bows to... Oh, what's it called? The song "What Do You Want, Baby? You Got It." And we just like all kind of on dancing, and it was like this is great. Like, obviously, it's a very serious piece, but it's really funny as well. Right. And there's lots of comic scenes, and yes, the character yeah. of Tess, I managed to play for laughs quite a lot, although trying to keep it serious when it needs to be serious. But there's there's some. That's what I've. That's what I learned from that show. One of the things that I learned from that show is that I love to make people laugh when mm. I act. Um, I like to make people cry and feel other emotions too, obviously. But um, it's such a joy making an audience laugh and um, finding very subtle ways to do that um, through the script and through the way you, where you, where you present words and put the words down. And, yeah, that's, that's what I kind of found. And also leading a cast is just probably brilliant. Yeah, just, <laughs> I know it's such true. a stagey thing to say. It's such a, like, oh, she's got a massive ego. But, like, but it is a privilege. And it is, it's difficult to have, you know, the, the, the burden of most of the lines go on to you. It's a lot, it's a lot of pressure. Yes, yeah, it is. You really feel the responsibility. Yeah. And you have to, you have to sort of be the one sort of, the director's the one steering the ship. But you also feel that a bit like that when you're, when you're, when you're playing a lead role. Um, but it was a really great experience and I'm really glad I did it. And yeah, I was going, just so lucky to have these experiences and get these chances to perform in these amazing plays with these amazing people. And yeah. And I think that's lovely actually because, I mean, you're right, of course it's an ego thing. I think there's always an element of that in anything we do creatively. But the fact that you say to me, oh, you know, it's it's a real privilege and, you know, and you, you're very aware, I think, of the fact that, oh, you know, this is a big deal and... Which it is. And also, I think it's actually just a, it's a chance for you to say, oh, actually, you know, I can do this. I think actually that sort of thing can be really good for self-confidence. And, yeah. and one thing I've learned, actually, as I've got older, particularly working with people in arts, is how actually how most people are massively underconfident. And a lot of it is to try and build up that sense of, oh, I'm doing something worthwhile. Yeah. You know, it's almost like staving off the black dog. Uh, that's the way I describe it sometimes. It's so and bes- I think COVID in particular really sort of brought that home to us. Well, everyone had a gap. Of no acting. Mm. So if people are only starting really to get back into it. And I've been sitting in some auditions recently and just trying to... I was, I was a welcomer, not not in the panel, really. Mm. And just, like, meeting people and saying hi and, you know, people come into audition is a terrifying thing for loads of people. I find it difficult. Yeah. And I've had a lot of experience with it now, but it is really hard. And trying to make people feel comfortable when you know they know and you know they've got quite a scary thing to do. Um, and, and they haven't done that necessarily in years because yeah. there hasn't been many opportunities to act. So I think people are trying to get back into the swing of things. And that 
and I think people's confidence might have been knocked by COVID because um, they just haven't had the experience or the ability to perform because right, yeah. I think a lot of the whole confidence thing for me was just having the experiences of getting better and better and better and honing the craft in yeah. a way you just become more and more experienced and because that then gives you confidence um so I remember that first the first time I did a show in the Betty, the Betty Blue Eyes production the first night I was an absolute mess because I didn't know what to expect mm. I didn't know how I'd be feeling I was completely overstimulated completely overwhelmed and I got off stage and I was just sh- sh- of the bowels and I was just shaking and shaking and shaking. And then the people were like, what's going on? What's, what's wrong? It's like, I don't know what to, I don't know how to describe what I'm feeling. Okay, yeah. It's just too much. There's too many feelings going on here. This is far too much for me to handle. And now I've learned that you can contain that. I still get really nervous on opening nights and then I'm usually fine. Yeah, I think that's perfectly normal and also a good thing. I think it yeah. would be... If you weren't nervous, you'd probably be nervous about that. Yes, I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's me and my overthinking brain, I probably would be. Right, yeah. um, so Nerves are good, you know, they yeah. give you that edge and focus that I think is, yeah. you know, is a positive thing, actually. Yeah. And it shows that you care, that you want to do a good job. Yeah, and that you should be proud of what you're putting on. I think, yeah. I think for me, the, the majority of the time I put on a show, I just want to feel proud of myself yeah. and proud of the thing that, the art that we produced. Um, I think that's the main thing. It can be rubbish, yeah. really, you can be like, oh, I'm. This is this this play is rubbish, or it could crash and burn. But as long as you're proud of what you've put into it, mm. and you've done, you feel like you've done your best, and that you yourself have made made the best out of the best situation that you can, um, and that some, sometimes it's great if it's amazing, and it's great if people and the audience says that was great. But even, I've been in rubbish. Mm-hmm. People, everyone's been in a bit. Yeah. Of, it's just, it's just the way it is. Yeah, exactly. And even though you know, because you do know a lot of the time when you're in rubbish, you know that it's rubbish. But you know that you are bringing the best of yourself and your performance to that. So you can be proud of yourself. Yeah, definitely. Even if you're not necessarily proud of the thing you created, you can be proud of the your part in that. Um, and I think that's important because, but that's what we're doing it for. We're doing it for the joy of it. So yeah, you have to feel proud of yourself. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think when you say you've got to do the best you can do, because audiences notice that as well. I think if you're in sort of rubbish and you're almost doing, oh god, I can't believe I'm in this. Audiences are going to know that. Whereas, and it just makes it worse. Yeah, it does. Whereas if you're like giving it your best, I've seen plenty of shows that have not been very good, but I was like, but that guy was great. Exactly. Exactly, and it is a collective effort, and I do believe that, and it shouldn't just be about one person and their own performance because you are relying on other people. Acting is about relying on other people. It very much is, especially you know. So like, you have to be, you have to have faith and trust the people on stage with you. Um, so it is again like it is good if you're with acting with people who also are doing the best they can and feeling proud of themselves and proud of the work that they're creating. But you have to know in yourself that you're proud of yourself too, yeah, and you're doing the best you can. And that's really the basis of it all. And just that gives you that gives you confidence. Having trust in your fellow performers gives you confidence. Um, the experience of it, having more experiences every time you do a play, gives you confidence. And you're just going to get better and better and better, really, I yeah. think. Yeah, definitely. That's how people learn. Yeah. So when you came to York, was that for work? Or... Yeah, right, it was okay. for work. Right. Um, I've worked, so my day job, I do uh, marketing and communications for the arts and cultural sector. Okay, uh, which generally. I can imagine is a pretty interesting job in its own right. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I get to talk about very interesting things. A lot of my job at the moment is talking about um, the sort of future of the creative sector where technology can take the creative sector so talking about immersive technology like virtual reality um 
you know, uh, things like that. Um, but also innovations within technology in the screen industries as well. So looking at things called virtual production, which mm-hmm. is using like games engines, um, like Unreal Engine in a sort of LED screen production space. Right. Okay. So instead of using green screen and then editing, you know, um, having editors in the post-production put on like the sea or a mountain range, um, you kind of put that all in in a, in a virtual environment. So stuff like that. So it's really interesting. Right, yeah, it does sound really interesting. Um, yeah. A lot of meetings, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so that's what I do in my day job. Um, but before that, I worked at York Theatre Royal. Okay, right, yes. Um, in the marketing department. So I moved for that job. So I started as an assistant marketing assistant. Um, marketing press assistant was, I think, my first job role. And then I became marketing officer just before COVID. Right. Okay. And then uh, was there all through COVID, through the lockdowns, through the furlough, all of that stuff, until well, I was there for two and a half years. So a okay. good solid time. Yeah, that's a while, yeah. And then I moved on in September last year. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it was a really great experience. So I moved for that job. So I've I feel like I know the both the professional and non-professional theatre world in York really well mm. now. Um, because I also did a play with York Theatre Royal this summer. I did of course, Cop- you did Gate Woman, Woman, yeah, yeah. Where I played a part of a giant wolf. I say part of, I played the lower jaw of a wolf. But you did it very well. <laughs> you did. You know. <laughs> I knew it was you instantly. And you, you know, I mean, you had all the lines as well, didn't you, if I remember Oh, right. yes, I was, I yeah. was the voice. Yeah, yeah. I was the That's voice important. of the wolf. Oh, no, it was very good. Um, so I did that as well this summer, which was a great experience. I mean, I had a lovely time. And I'm... Good auditioning to do the next one. Oh, brilliant. So Great. It's uh, something that I really like, being big, big productions. Right, um, yeah. Even if you have a small part, you feel like you're part of a big thing. Yeah, And course. that is pretty cool. Quite a special thing, really, isn't it? It is yeah. special. And again, it's what I'm coming back to, it's like it's such a privilege mm. to, to, to have that opportunity to do that. Because a lot of cities, a lot of places in the UK, don't have that. You can't just say, oh, I want to be part of a big, massive production, community production, because I don't have any, you know? Yeah. And, like, the the arts and cultural sector has many, many problems, yes. <laughs> mostly due to underfunding, hmm. so everyone's scrabbling around for money. Um, but if people are using that money, if arts organisations are using that money to, to benefit the community by putting on these huge shows that involve hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. Like, I mean, that just the collective effort is just astounding, really, right. when you think about it. Yeah. That is so cool. Like, that is that is amazing. Um, and that gives so many people the opportunity to be creative yeah. and have a creative outlet in their lives. Um, because I think so, so many people just don't have that opportunity. There's nowhere in their environment that they can, if they feel like they want to perform, they can. They don't have any amateur dramatic societies in their area. They don't have a theatre that really cares about them mm. or their thoughts or what they want to be doing or the cre- their creativity. We're very lucky in York to have those outlets where people can just be creative if they want to be. Not not with any pressure of having to monetize it. Mm. Just to say, I fancy doing a bit of acting. Yeah. And people go, okay, have you tried this? Have you tried this place? These places, this place is looking for these people. Like, yeah, it's true. The opportunities are rife actually in york yeah it's yeah it's we're very as you say we're very lucky actually that we've got all this stuff going on yeah uh yeah so actually interesting you mentioned monetizing has it ever sort of occurred to you or have you ever given any thoughts at all about oh i would want to have done this professionally or is it something that's never particularly interested you no not really i have to say um and i would say that because 
I'm very bad dealing with rejection. Right. <laughs> so I think you have to be really, um, you have to be made of steel, really, in, if you're wanting to be a professional actor in this. The industry is just so hard. Hmm. Um, and I think that drama schools, whereas some drama schools probably do this very well, but the experience I've heard from lots of people who have been to drama school have just said that it, they had a confidence going in and it completely knocked it all out. Right. And yeah. I just wouldn't want to go for that experience. And I would never get the parts that I get now as a non-professional doing yeah. it professionally. I can guarantee yeah. you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the right face, yeah. you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna stand a chance. And I don't think I have the right face. Um and yeah, I just I just think it would lose the joy. I do it for the joy of it. And I think that having putting you know, like the the pressure of making a living out of it would just suck the joy out of it. Mm. And I don't think I could deal with that either because I don't want it to be ruined because it's right, something I yeah. love to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah, and I, and I have the privilege, again, I'm lucky that I can balance my job with with acting, um, the, the the job that I get paid to do mm. I can in my life I can balance it quite well with mass other commitments like being in a play that can take over your life for two months yeah, really of course, yeah. um, and for some people they can't do that because they have jobs that are too demanding you yeah. know like their day jobs are too demanding but my day job isn't mm. so touch wood at the moment <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um so it means that I can just put my f- you know, full focus on doing a play when, I, when I'm when i in a show week. I can just take the time off and be like, right, I'm going to be a professional actress. Yeah. I can pretend I am for a whole week yeah, and it's sure. great. And then you go back to your day job and you feel a bit bereft, obviously, because post-show blues hit me hard. Right, yeah. But then you're on to the next project. Hmm. So it's all... I, yeah, I, I, just, I just don't think it's for me. Right, I, yeah. I like it too much. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's totally fair enough. To be honest, I actually find it quite refreshing to hear someone sort of say, do you know what? I'm actually quite happy just just doing this for fun and amateur because you meet so many people in plays who the main goal and there's nothing wrong with that of course but it's always oh yeah I want to want to make it big in the industry and it's sometimes I must feel a bit a bit sorry for them because yeah. I just say oh man it's just so hard, hard. And, and yeah you really really got to want to do it. and as you say I have a, I think a thick skin as well and yeah. I think in a in a weird way it must be. Uh, well, I mean, I can only sort from my own experience, but no, because I'm similar to you. I'm just quite happy acting for fun, um, and you know, taking it seriously, yeah, and doing a good job, yeah. But I've no intention of moving anywhere else. So yeah. yeah, doing it pro, and I'm, I'm like, I'm actually feel sort of yeah, quite quite happy with that because I'm like yeah I'm, I'm content with what I'm doing yeah I mean there's a there's a great book and I'm I can't tell you the name of the author which is really bad but it's all about the history of amateur theatre in the UK and it's something called like um something amateur the, a manifesto so it, it's it's very skewed towards in favour of amateur and it's about um reclaiming the word amateur it's not something that's dirty or that says or that's about it being rubbish because mm-hmm. I think that, that, that the word does have those connotations when you say amateur, especially yeah. amateur theatre. You think of yeah. people just faffing about, yeah. having a little go, yeah. not not taking it seriously or not doing a good job. Yeah. But the standard of the amateur theatre community in York is so high, yeah. as in many places. Um, there are people in that community who once were professionals. Yeah, well, this is it. Yeah. And gave it up to have children or start a family or you know, because I couldn't deal with the rejection. Mm-hmm. But they still have the, the same level of talent as the people who are 
doing it professionally. It's just that they, for some reason, have gave it up or decided to switch careers or do something different, which is totally valid. And that's how I've learned to act is from being on stage with those people. Yeah, so they've learned through maybe drama school or acting or, or you know training or whatever. I've learned through them. So it's passing down the knowledge. It's passing the knowledge. It's just not through the traditional routes yeah, that crush your dreams and your soul and your confidence <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, it's very true. Actually, I remember talking to Ozzy. Do you know Ozzy? Yeah. Um, and so he used to be a pro actor. I remember him telling me that he stopped because uh, he just got sick of being in a terrible play for six months uh, away from his family, just living out of a hotel room. Uh, I'm just like yeah, I'm really sick and tired of that. Yeah, now. I, I like, mean yeah. I'm I'm the same. I'm I'm such a home girl. Like I love York. Yeah. I love being in York. I love living in York. I love acting in York. I love having a nine to five that has you know regular hours. I know when my next paycheck's coming in. I know it's very it sounds very boring and very like oh you know take risks. I take risks creatively, but I just don't take risks creatively that then means that my you know, like my paycheck's not going to come yeah, through exactly. or something yeah, like, yeah, or I yeah. don't get a paycheck at the end of the month. Like, it just takes the stress out of it, and it means that I can just do it for the joy of it. Yeah, you know, it's just for fun. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's go back to settlement. So it's, you've just finished the seagull, yeah. and presumably that was a great experience. Uh, at what point did was there any time during the period where you're like, actually, I wouldn't mind getting involved with these guys on a committee point of view, or were you approached? <laughs> I was obviously approached. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, the director, was also chair of settlement yep. at the time. And because I worked at the York Theatre Royal Marketing Department, um, I was doing the marketing for it anyway in my job. Right, so, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. So, like, we were in constant communication with my, what I call my YTR hat on. Hmm. And then when we come to rehearsals, I have my YSCP hat on. Oh, okay. And then by the end of the production, those two roles had just merged. So I was... I was doing the marketing for the show both as with my both hats on basically. So I was I'd now got access to the Facebook, the Y the YSCP Facebook account and doing all of that stuff. So I was basically doing the marketing through the YTR channel and also through the settlement channel. Mm-hmm. And then once lockdown happened, I got invited to join the committee by Helen. Right. Um she said, We need someone with your knowledge of, you know, arts marketing to help us. And I was like, Yeah, of course, that sounds fine. Um, so I got involved in that way, and we did most majority of committee meetings through COVID were on Zoom, hmm. um, and then occasionally when the restrictions lifted, we could meet. I think, and then I remember doing the sort of Christmas or Christmas celebration event on Zoom right, <laughs> that yeah, year. Yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been on the committee. I think I was on the, invited to the committee quite soon after uh, the the Seagull. So I've been on the committee for quite for two years or so. Right. Yeah. Almost two years. Um, and yes, and the rest is history, really. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, more and more responsibility, more and more experience, knowledge of how things work with the settlement players and also the committee itself and how that fits in with the wider ecosystem of amateur community theatre in York. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of just... And then when the opportunity came up to be chair... I said, no, 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 obviously not me. No, 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 no. Far too inexperienced, don't have enough time, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Giving all these reasons why I shouldn't do it. And in the end, well, it was a variety of factors. I just said, oh, my God, you know, I'll just do it. I'll do it for a year, mm-hmm. see how it goes. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so how have you found that so far, being chair? Uh, yeah, I can imagine it's quite a quite an undertaking. It is an undertaking. Um, I think I went into it a little bit blind, but... 
uh, not to say that I regret the decision at all. I'm finding that I'm learning so much right. from it, which is really what I wanted. From, from One of the reasons why I took it was for it to be a learning experience because, you know, taking on a leadership role, whether that's in your in your work, your paid work or volunt- voluntary, which this is, is still a leadership role mm-hmm. and it's still experience. Um, and you're going to learn a lot from that experience. And I have. It's about being organised, which I've always been, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a person, and it's a very—I mean, I said it tongue in cheek at the beginning, but it's a very commendable trait to have, <laughs> particularly, uh, you know, in committees and especially with theatre stuff, because many people aren't organised, and it can be absolutely infuriating. Yeah, it can. I think I was talking to Charles Hutchinson about this. I was saying how there is when you put on a production, there are so many things that can go wrong, mm. and there are so many things that do go wrong, even from the outset getting the rights, auditioning, putting it on, like there it's a it's a colossal effort of will. Yeah. So you have to be aware that those things are gonna happen, that the things that are gonna be difficult and are challenging and are gonna gonna go wrong. Yeah. You have to have the team to be there to say, right, we've got a solution. Luckily I have that team as the committee you included that are solution focused and don't flap when I flap (laughs) and um, just be like, well, we can offer this or we can do this instead. Um, You just have to be able to be flexible in that way. And it's about, yeah, not freaking out when things go wrong. Luckily, our last production, a settlement players production, was Vanya and Sonia Ramash and Spike at um, Theatre 41. And I was in that. I played um, uh, Nina again. Nina. Typecast, obviously. Um, and it was a great show and it was a great play. And all through the rehearsal period, there was like this underlying, mm, when's this thing that's going to go wrong going to go wrong? I was just waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. Waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It was like, oh no, everything's going fine. Why is everything going fine? <laughs> yes, yeah. Everything's going great. The cast is great. The team is great. The crew is great. All is good. We're selling tickets. Mm. Like, what is happening? And I got to the end of the show and nothing had gone particularly wrong and I was like what is this is a miracle <laughs> it's, it's, it's very rare it is so rare it's, nice it it's, it's rare it's really rare but knowing that you that things will go wrong or most probably will go wrong or that something will be challenging is fine if you know that, that you can be you've got a team to back you up yeah and I do so I don't feel like it's a leadership role but at the same time I don't feel like I'm doing it myself okay right um, yeah. I'm taking on the brunt of a lot of the activity but that's fine because I'm kind of doing a lot of the stuff I'm doing anyway. Mm. What in my previous role as marketing publicity person, whatever you want to call it. So it hasn't been too much of a transition in the amount of work wise. It's just more about having the being the, the fallback guy or having to make decisions. Yeah, of course. Which I didn't know I had to do before, but now I do. Yeah, because I suppose everyone ultimately looks to you. It's like, oh, you're on the chair. That's yeah. Your, your final call. Yeah, the final call. Yeah. Um, but it's been a really like eye-opening learning curve already and i've only been doing it for three months right, so yeah. you know got another nine months to go <laughs> <laughs> again what could possibly go wrong <laughs> so well i've been very impressed so far and i think actually just the willingness to take it on and recognize that well someone someone's got to do it you yeah. know which i think is it's really important and really valuable skill in a person so going back to yeah just being organized in that sort of and you know, almost like hate says but that can do attitude of right well we just got to do this haven't we you've got to be positive Um, you've got to stay positive and even when as I say when things go wrong you've got to be solution focused and that's the majority like and you can't be like oh doom and gloom oh no catastrophe yes okay it's not a catastrophe 
we had we had a horrible experience last year assessment where we had to pull a show yeah, for no one's fault it was just what had to happen mm. and it was a really difficult decision and Helen had to make that call in the end and I don't begrudge her that at all she was, did a, it was a commendable thing what she did steering the ship yeah um but it was really hard it but was. the committee rallied and the whole of settlement as a as a collective group said you know we're here we support you and it didn't put us off we did a show six months later yeah. to like sell out crowds and we did another show six months after that again in and it was and it's so it didn't stop us for some less i don't know flexible or Less can do groups, it might have been like, oh, we'll just give up. Right, yeah. Well, it's too hard then. It's too hard. Yeah. And also to make that decision to pull it, because obviously I remember that well. And um, I thought it was the right decision. But yeah, of course it was hard. It was was the right decision. Impossible choice, really, but it was the right call. Yeah, yeah. And there were people saying, you know, no, no. People saying, "Oh, we should do it. You should carry on. There, was, there must be a way forward." And it was just too hard. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been fair on anyone. No. So I think it was the right call. You say, but it wasn't an easy call. It was a really hard call. So yeah. kudos to Helen. Yeah. For making that decision because it wasn't easy. Yeah. Do you? I'd be intrigued to know your thoughts on this because I sometimes, I suppose it's a frustration, perhaps maybe. Not sure if that's potentially fair, but I feel like everyone wants to be in something, and everyone wants the show to happen but a lot of the time they don't want to be the ones to be the ones to make it happen because that's hard work and yeah. just to know your sort of thoughts on that particularly being someone who's been involved in the committee from an early uh, from when you first got involved like, have you always been someone that's been involved from that side of things yeah right um when i do something i do it in a big way okay i don't sort of just um dip my foot in it and then dip out again that's Absolutely fine for some people. Uh, people just say, oh, "I'll be in a play maybe in a, once every couple of years." That's enough for me. Yeah. It's never been enough for me. And also, I feel like I have the skills. I have skills to offer that will help. So I feel like if I just keep them to my chest and be like, "Oh, I could help," but I don't feel like I will because I don't have the time or I can't be bothered. Mm. It's like, well, that's not really fair on the people that are, are doing this with me. Yeah. Um. So I kind of feel like I did it the same for um when I was doing my. Uh, plays in Ilkley I was on their publicity committee or whatever I was many a committee um, so I did I was I was involved in a big way there as well and I helped them sort of relaunch their social media and things like that so like I, I feel like if I have the skills to help I should really put them to use um, right, yeah. that's always been my philosophy in life so whether that's in acting or marketing or doing any, everything organising gosh you know like if I can do it and there's and there's there's a there's people crying out for that help. What am I to say? Oh no, it's not for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. I just that's just me as a person. Yeah. I've just a, always again, very commendable trait to have. But I've always been like I, I like being busy. Right. And I mean, I mean, I complain about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. but, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> I say, oh god, I'm so busy. Oh god, I'm far too busy. But then I would much rather have it that way than the other way of being like just sitting at home twiddling my thumbs watching TV, not right. having a hobby, not having this to do not having this to focus on like i'd just be a bit aimless right yeah and aimless is ain't good for me mm. uh, i need to have direction and focus yeah i feel like you feel like you're putting something out there i suppose into the yeah. world yeah. yeah yeah doing just doing stuff yeah definitely, you know yeah. and it's just fun most of the time yeah. it's stressful and yeah, it's a lot course. and being in a play takes up a lot of time it there's no getting around that even if you have a small part it's not a small part there are no small parts no it's true yeah giving up your time and and that's why i'm sort of someone who 
you know, I do. I like to do with the odd play, but only if it's something that I really want to be. Because of that reason, because I know how time consuming it is. I'm, I'm more than happy to tap out in front of house or other little bits here and there that I'm like, okay, it's it's not going to take up a loose amount of time, but I'm still helping. It's yeah. still important. But that's so that that those roles are also so important because mm. without those roles, the the rest of it can't happen. Yeah. Like well, you, exactly. Yeah. You just need it's a collective. It's a collective act of will. It's a collective yeah. effort, and some people have more. Of, um, commitment to it than others and some people have more of a role than others but without one like it just doesn't work mm. you just and that is why this is like i feel this is miraculous to me like putting on a show when it's not a professional thing when people are just doing it out of because they want to and it's just for the joy like it's just it is miraculous that yeah, that happens because is. there's yeah. no reason for those people to be there yeah, apart from true. just say i just want to have a go at it yeah. you know there's no there's no monetization there's no that there's nothing else to pull them in apart from just saying oh, i'm just going to do it and yeah. it takes up loads of time and it's re- it can be really stressful yeah. and it can just be so so much all the time but people still do it yeah. and people keep going back and doing it they do. which is miraculous yeah. <laughs> and you like to think it's actually because the rewards uh, are worth all that because yeah. actually I don't know you might be similar to me in this but when I think about sort of all the close friendships that I've formed um, over the years I'm like actually most of them uh, are directly or maybe indirectly are through theatre actually yeah. 100% this is, I think one of the reasons why my mother when I was all aimless having graduated university not having a plan said to me why don't you do some theatre mm. because I made friends right, I had a yeah. great time like it's it's a, it's a really easy way to meet people, yeah, and to meet like-minded people who who understand, you know, that creativity is important and doing stuff outside of your day job is great fun, and you just meet loads of an eclectic mix of people, you know, from all walks of life, from all different jobs, like teachers and bankers, yeah, <laughs> like everyone, yeah, doctors, you know, I mean. Yeah. A couple of people I know through theatre who had classes quite good friends now who are quite high up in uh, in the world of medicine. That's something I would never have known them before. You would before. never. You <laughs> would never yeah. go... Like, where else would you have those circles of friends that you would find, like, just without doing theatre? It's one of the best places to meet people. Yeah. Um, so that is a win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. And I'd also, going back to sort of a point earlier, I'd, I often would urge actors who have just acting things I'd say look maybe one get time get involved in the next production but just do front of house or work out backstage because I actually think it's really important for actors to understand how that feels yeah. being on the other side because oh, yeah, it can be a really thankless job uh, and obviously the actors get all the glory Yeah, uh, and I think it's actually really crucial for people to put themselves in the shoes of the guys that take the tickets or yeah and they're so needed yeah, like and I because the first time I did backstage um it was a massive learning curve as well again it was like oh my god this is really hard and like this is thankless but i mean yeah. you know you're in an environment where people do thank you but at the same time it is a bit thankless yeah, um yeah. and that's just the way it goes but like it's so important like yeah. it literally could like the, the whole play couldn't happen without those people and they 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 have just as much value and worth and should be celebrated just as much as the people on the stage. Hundred percent. I completely completely agree with that. Right. Nice. So, yeah. All right, we are nearly out of time. I have just got a few sort of like couple of quick fire questions. Okay. Uh, not many. Um, so be, I mean, one of them might not be quick fire to be honest with you. <laughs> but I, I just as you know. Um, there are considerably fewer men that audition for plays. I'm sure it's not just in York. I'm sure it's across across the board. Uh, 
Why do you think that is? God, it's not it's... really a quick-fire question, that. I do apologise. That but... is a really good question. <laughs> yeah. I, I, could only, I don't know. Right, yeah. I, d- I don't either. I it's just don't though, know. It? I, it's really annoys me so much um, that, that there is this imbalance. And it is universal. It's not a York thing. Mm. 100%. It was a problem milkly. It's a problem everywhere. Mm. Um, I don't know. And I wish I knew the answer because okay. I could fix it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I, sometimes I think, does it stem from school thing of that idea of being macho and it you're well, not macho it could well it could well be that because i definitely went through it myself at school i went yeah. through a period where I was, i'm not doing that you know etc yeah, that's, that's for hate says well that's for gays yeah unfortunately yeah. i grew out of that phase very quickly yeah um, but i imagine that there's still that's still going on i i i believe that that was definitely a contributing factor um i don't know that me- maybe men prioritize other hobbies over women yeah. so like sports maybe or yeah. things like that so they don't have necessarily the priority. I don't. Mm, I oh, I don't know. Is that thing maybe showing vulnerability as well? Yeah, that potentially. Could be it. Yeah, that could be it. But this is a call out to the universe. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Yeah. More men, get more men into theatre because they are needed and they are wanted, and we will love you for it if you come. This is it, and especially if you're a single man, it's a great way to meet women. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Maybe we should tell people that on like the posters, yes, the auditions. Yes, By yeah, the way, yeah. note. <laughs> P.S. Yeah. Uh, Not guaranteed to meet a woman, but, but... You, you've got a better chance <laughs> than just going to a bar, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's the age-old question, yeah. Maybe we'll never know. Yeah. Um, are there any parts in plays that you would still like to play? Oh. I'd like to be in more Shakespeare. Okay. I'd love to do an Arthur Miller. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe something like um, All My Sons. Okay. Or something like that. I don't know that one. It's very good. Okay, nice. <laughs> it's very fun. intense. Nice. Okay, nice. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. I mean, lots of lots of lots of, lots of plays I'd love to be in. Right. But those are the th- those are the ones that come to mind. Okay, excellent. Uh, favorite part that you've played? Oh, difficult one. Oh, ooh. Um, I think Nina in right. the Seagull. Okay, right. Well, yeah. Most challenging, but also most rewarding. Right. Well, that's yeah. good. Why do you think that is? Because it's really, really difficult part. Okay. She has a mental breakdown in the final act. Okay, right. And um, she goes on about being a seagull. Right. So trying to make that make sense. Yeah, okay. Yes. was really hard. Yeah, I can imagine. But it was, oh, it was just great, real challenge, and made me think, oh, this, this could, this is proper. This is proper acting. Mm. This yeah, is nice. Yeah. Having to go home and think about character, and not just swanning up and just having a play, mm. being like, oh, motivation and reason and why is she feeling this and what is she doing and yeah right very good and then final question is this is maybe an unfair question i don't know but um favorite production that you've been involved with doesn't necessarily have to be one you've been in but just been involved with i think i think it would be blue stockings right yeah uh just because it was such an amazing collective experience for everyone involved and I'll remember it till the day I die. Okay. Well, that's lovely. And a lovely thing to finish on as well. So, Livy Potter, thank you very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much.